You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast about helping online brands to build a better e-commerce growth engine with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. Hey, John, I hope you enjoyed too much turkey and wine over the Thanksgiving weekend. More more of one than the other. Let's put <laughs> I know my family did. A lot of recycling going out this week in the glass bin. Uh, our neighbors are always impressed. So, John, there's been uh, some interesting things in the e-commerce, I guess, uh, Twitter sphere, LinkedIn sphere, if that's actually even a real term, about something that caught my eye or caught my ears about this term called brand first CRO. And it sounds really cool. And I don't know why anybody would not be interested in talking about, you know, or learning or improving their brand mm-hmm. first CEO, because obviously if I own a brand, I, I want my brand to be in first place. So it sounds great, but I have seen some rumblings and maybe some of your comments that you may not be bought into brand first CRO and all that is coming out of that. <laughs> and Matt, there may be some online debates that if you want to look for that, you might be able to find some of John's comments, but to start off, let's. What is this brand first CRO? Like, what does it actually mean? It sounds cool. Yeah. Well, look, I think that your guess is as good as mine. But the here's here's the reality: that more revenue, more conversions, increased time on site, all of these things are great outcomes for a brand, right? But mm-hmm. they're not. Those metrics they're just not important to customers at all. And what customers really care about is solving their need. That's it. They're not at your site to hang out. They're not at your site to learn about your brand for the heck of it. They're there because they have a need to be solved. And they think your brand can help them do that. And they want to know if that's true. And your brand can support that. But it certainly is not first. And I think this misalignment in general has really just created an argument around what's better in terms of brand first or user first conversion optimization. Got it. So when somebody is talking about brand first CRO, Mm -hmm. is that, would you even consider what you've seen of that term? Like, would it actually be CRO or is it? Is it? I mean, what is it trying to do, I guess? Or what are they trying to come across? Yeah, the, I think that the common argument is that brand-first CRO really eliminates things that might not look as good. That's an initial first comment. Hmm. Here's the thing. The word brand means so many different things to so many different people that it's kind of this catch-all term. And it's actually quite genius that they, you know, you start hearing about this a lot, that there's a whole contingent of folks utilizing this term now. The reality is it means something different to every single person that uses the term mm. and reads it. And that's why it's hard to put a pin in what, what exactly it means. But the issue around why this came up, it really stems from the fact that key stakeholders in the online experience at brands have very different opinions. Executives really believe branding is a key differentiator, especially in crowded markets, mm-hmm. which is the majority of e-com these days, unfortunately. Then you've got UX and UI people who, you know, those professionals really want to prioritize the user. And users want an enjoyable and friction-free shopping experience. Again, solve their pain or need. But if you really are in favor of brand-centric CRO, you are looking to maintain the brand integrity. But what happens out of that is you risk compromising Mm -hmm. the user experience and then end up leaving money on the table. And alternatively, looking at the other side of that, if you are really all about user-centric CRO, you end up with just the sterile 
purchasing experience that has no personality and gets lost in the sea of sameness that you've heard me talk about. And that's why I think that any agency that really blindly applies best practices and sells you the value of running hundreds of tests probably isn't the best option. But, you know, the reality is after implementing a high volume of best practices, no brand is going to stand out in that crowd. So it's really kind of hard to support just taking the user's needs off the table and really focusing on the brand side of that, because what's going to happen is you're going to end up in a sea of sameness. Yeah. So I think it's it's almost like, as with most things that we talk to, it's like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be somewhere in the middle, generally speaking, around it. Uh, we have this tension a lot, you know, joyful dirt. Like I am primarily, you know, driving top line. Mm-hmm. I want conversions. I want people coming to the site, finding what they want, getting out. So I would be generally an advocate for CRO, CRO, CRO. Who cares what it looks like? Mm-hmm. I just need it to. I need it to flow, and I need it to be solid for the person coming trying right. to execute a transaction. I have a partner that is much more visual, wants things to look a certain way and have a certain feel, and there's mm-hmm. this constant tension which I think is a good thing for brands. I agree. But he wants to pull us all the way over here like, and have all of these like brand stories and all these things on the mm-hmm. site about brand. I'm like, uh, yes, but <laughs> some of that doesn't matter. And some of it uh, is going to hurt some of the other things we're trying to do just to kind of like let people check out. They don't need to read our story. <laughs> I, and this is exactly going back. And the reason I think this term is a little maybe triggering is the right word for me is going back to my days as a, as being a big part of the Flash community. Flash, everybody complained about Flash, <laughs> about being too brand heavy, not being easy to use websites. Instead, what happened would people would build sites because they could that were mm-hmm. impossible to use. We're totally were dating ourselves, the fact that we know Flash, John. <laughs> We're dying in e-commerce at this point. I exactly that that is that's reality, unfortunately, right? And I, I guess the way I look at it is, I don't want to go back there. Mm-hmm. That debate has been settled. Like you know, we've been there as an internet, and especially in e-com, to where it can get abused, and I see that coming back, and I'm concerned about that. And now again, the pendulum swings, right? It's going to swing right back and and come back. It's you know the reality here though is you really want to focus on a, a conversion partner that blends user first CRO with I call it brand mm-hmm. centricity, meaning it's all involves the brand, right? The correct approach, I think, is to do the legwork of really gaining a deep understanding of both a brand identity and their users' preferences. Then try to blend both of those into a testing program that respects both parties. But just swinging to one side of that pendulum, all users, you have a really sterile website that really isn't going to stand out at all. And if you go all brand, you're going to have a website that's really impossible to use. And you're going to be focusing on talking about yourself the mm-hmm. whole time. And so I, I just really want to be clear that conversion optimization is ultimately about what the user wants and needs. That doesn't mean your branding isn't important. It is. But optimizations that align user goals and brand goals are going to have the best outcome. So keep that in mind. I'm not saying brand doesn't matter. 100% it does. But it has to be used in the right place and in the right supporting way for that buying journey. Mm-hmm. Well, if we even oversimplify a little bit and say mm-hmm. the majority of new customers to your brand at this exact moment in, in e-commerce time mm-hmm. 
are probably landing on a product page. And they should see in the header who you are and the brand. Of course. And the fact that you're the brand and the product is your brand. Therefore, the alignment's there. Yep. Much more than that, before they can click a button or pick a variant, mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, like, why are you stuffing that in there? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not where you sell your brand. Right. They, they saw it on social mm-hmm. and found you because of a search. I mean, there's just... I would say there's even just better ways to interject your brand into that experience than in the middle of a PDP page where they're trying to just buy a product. I would wholeheartedly agree. And I think that those who are really pushing for brand first CRO, what they would say is all of those things you just mentioned are true. However, the biggest issue that they have is that you are eliminating the brand from that. And I would argue that's not true. What they want is, okay, let's have the brand story, why I should care. Let's really focus on the messaging of why it's important you buy from them as opposed to focusing on what pain or need you're solving by buying this product. And mm. Mm, this is perfect for coffee, right? Like there's not a coffee. I mean, for whatever reason, I've talked to a lot of coffee brands in the last year. And I spoke at some coffee event uh, because they focus on Portland because we drink a lot of coffee in Portland. I drink a lot of coffee. I like it. Same Every here. coffee company I've ever talked to, you know, what what stand, what makes you stand up? Oh, we help all the farmers in these rural remote mm-hmm. places and we give back to them. We meet with them. We sniff every bean and they're just, it's organic. I'm like, every single one of them has the exact same reason. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I just assume that's part of a coffee brand at this point. Like yeah. if I'm going to a brand to buy something, I, I'm not, I don't care. I know you're mm-hmm. probably supporting something because if you're not, why would people rebuy mm-hmm. you? I'm not going to get that experience. So it's like, let me buy it, experience it. And if your product backs up what I expected and it's a good quality coffee, mm-hmm. it's very easy to send me an email to get a repurchase because you probably know when I'm going to run out or you have a good guess. Yep. And get me into a subscription because of you're going to add an extra dollar to Bob the Farmer in Ethiopia because of my subscription. Oh, great. I loved your coffee. It's great. I'm going to keep coming back. But I don't care about Bob in Ethiopia yet when I'm on your product page and haven't bought from you yet. I don't care that you give back yet. (laughs) I need to see that your product backs it up and I like it first. Then your brand story becomes more, I guess, a reason for me to get involved since it's so hard, I think, to, to have that brand story before I've ever experienced your product and believe in it because that it's like the brand story for most companies backs up and justifies my purchase rather than convinces me because everybody's got this crazy brand story about how they're serving all these underprivileged people, which is good. And I like that for businesses to do, but it's just not going to shine through clutter anymore. Well, and let's look at this continuing with the coffee trend, two other ways as well. One is I don't like Ethiopian coffee, right? I don't care if, the only coffee you sell is Ethiopia coffee. I don't care anything else about your brand. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy that coffee because it's just not a flavor profile I like, right? So I stay away from it, right? So again, brand is not going to influence my job to be done there, which is find coffee that I like. Now, there's a second coffee company called Deathwish Coffee mm-hmm. that I think we've both yep. worked with over the years. And Deathwish does a great job of being different and having some brand to it, right? The brand being, this is a hardcore coffee that is way more caffeinated than your normal coffee. Now, even in that brand, what is the job to be done? Be more caffeinated, right? I'm going for the caffeine. I don't Mm -hmm. care about flavor. So that's who their market is, right? And they're able to communicate that. But if the website, when we were optimizing their site, 
we clearly found people were coming to the site and they wanted to know more about this highly caffeinated coffee. That's why they were there. They didn't care that they saw an ad and they're in the Super Bowl, which they actually did run a Super Bowl ad because they won a contest with QuickBooks and, you know, a whole thing <laughs> went on, right? And they got a lot of attention out of that. And it was a, it was a cool ad. But the reality was the ad was like, want to be more caffeinated? This is the coffee you need. And that's why people came to the site. Now, if the they came to the site and it was all just look at us, we're death wish, nobody would know what that meant. They wouldn't know why I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this coffee going to kill me? Right? Like, what? Coffee, exactly. Sound fun. <laughs> um, so I think that's, you know, really the way to think about it is what are people looking to do? And that needs to be the focus. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you put death wish aside. It just means that you really kind of give it a secondary place, in my opinion. Now, you could say the same thing about, what is it, death water? What's the water? Why does everything death, right? Liquid death, right? Liquid death. It's sparkling water in a can that looks cool. That's it. And if you ask (laughs) the founder of... Uh, liquid death why he came out with that he said it's because people want to look cool at a concert at a party even though they're not drinking alcohol and how you know just holding a can of pellegrino or you know whatever was not cool and he's like so what did i do i put a better label on it and again what was the job to be done here very clear it was to look cool at a party it was not that they sell better sparkling water. You ask anybody, does this water taste amazing? They're like, yeah, I don't know. It's sparkling water, right? That's it. Sparkling water. Yeah. So here's the reality. If they just focused on only the brand of liquid death, people would be like, why am I drinking liquid death? But instead, it's like, hey, the job here is to have a water that doesn't look like water. That's my goal. And so that's how you then convert mm-hmm. people by explaining that. And so I think there's a big divide here between what the users are looking to do and why a brand is talking about themselves. I agree. I think people have to know who you are, but that also becomes a function of a quality product that people enjoy mm-hmm. and have a reason for it. Then, like after the fact, that's yes. where the word of mouth comes into play. Yeah, they, they have to have a reason to buy your product and it can't be just because it's a cool product. There's a differentiating point there, and that's what they're at your site for. And if you focus on the story of only about liquid death, then people are going to be like, yeah, okay, whatever. But if you're like, you know, hey, I, I like sparkling water and I'm what a cool drinking it, then, then probably that's what you need to be staying on your site. You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast focused on e-commerce growth. Your hosts are John McDonald, founder of The Good, conversion rate optimization agency that works with e-commerce brands to help convert more of their visitors into buyers, and Ryan Garrow of Logical Position, the digital marketing agency offering pay-per-click management, search engine optimization, and website design services to brands of all sizes. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you. How are you taking this? Because you have to be talking mm-hmm. to people now as they come in through your lead generation thinking, ooh, I want brand mm-hmm. first CRO. That sounds cool. And you're like, well, really? So you're you're trying to get them to focus on, on the brand. Yes, can't go away, mm-hmm. but brand-centric C- CRO. And so what is that starting to look like mm-hmm. as you're having these conversations and executing, I'm assuming, on some of these 
brand-centric CRO programs. Yeah, most people are coming to us that want to prioritize brand because they're recognizing their products are becoming increasingly commoditized and they're in a commoditized marketplace. And if two companies have the same features and they don't want to compete on price, the only way they can do that is through their compete is on their Mm -hmm. brand, right? And I think for companies in this situation, brand has become a sacred part of everything they do. And that's just unfortunate. Because if you truly lack competitive differentiators, appealing to a lifestyle operation, uh, aspiration, excuse me, is really the only compelling alternative. Again, this is where liquid death comes in, right? Versus death wish coffee, for instance, right? So any tweaks or alterations to the site in favor of ease of use or convention, I think it just runs the risk of diluting the brand. And so... I think there are some arguments for brand-centric CRO that makes sense, but the reality here is again, they have that those companies have bigger issues, right? So you're defaulting to brand because you don't have any other differentiating points that you can find. That is where it becomes an issue. So if you just have sparkling water in a can, mm-hmm. what else do you have to sell on other than <laughs> that's the label true. that's on the on the, the can? They charge like four bucks a can no. for it though. It's, it's they're I mean, hey, but they're an outlier mm-hmm. too. How many brands have you seen do that well? And I, my point here is that eventually people are going to be like, why am I paying $4 a can for this when I can pay 50 cents a can and get the exact same thing mm-hmm. without the pretty label? That's likely going to be what happens over long term. So yeah, you know, there's more examples to be had here even. I think, you know, let's just say that as a hypothetical mm-hmm. example, right? There's a company with, I don't know, an attractive, well-branded website and they hear anecdotally that there's a frustrating friction point in their user journey. Right. Maybe it's that uh, users don't know what to do when they land on a product page. Right. So the page, it's arguably gorgeous, but it's non standard. Right. So harking back to those flash days. <laughs> right. We'd all make pretty things that were hard to figure out. So let's say users just don't know where to buy on that site, they don't know where to click. And even where the products go, if you know how they, how they get them in the cart. Or where to even go once they add them to the cart. So now you really you end up queuing the argument. What's more important, delivering that seamless journey for users or sticking to the branding guidelines that are driving this unique approach, right? Research shows that 90% of customers want a consistent experience with the brand across all touch points. And 64% of those say that shared values are one of the main reasons they stick with a brand. So when you consider that consistency in branding relies on memorable touch points, emotions, values, it's really difficult to marry that up with the hard data of CRO. And I think that's why people default to brand because it's really hard to do both of these things Mm -hmm. and combine them. Really difficult. So if you just say, we're going to do brand for CRO, it's almost like a shortcut. Just makes it super easy because then you're like, well, I don't have to worry about figuring out what people want. I'm just going to default to the fact that I can convince people we're cooler. And if you can do that, then great. But I argue at that point, like you're not solving problems. You're creating an unsustainable hamster wheel for Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. And this is a big area I tell companies all the time. Like you can't just look at a competitor and see what they're doing and assume Mm. it's better or working just because you think they're worth more. Like if you were competing with liquid death and you're like, wait, it's easy. I can put a badass label on a scan and let's go do it. Like, what? No. Or they have a really confusing checkout process. We should do that because it's working for liquid death. Mm -hmm. Look at, they're all over. And like, there are so many points to building a brand that's successful that go way beyond what your website looks like even. It's just there are so For many sure. things that go into that that um, your brand-centric peer brand whatever focused PDP pages for CRO, <laughs> that is not going to build your brand. I, I'm sorry. 
Like, I'd love to be able to say we have that power. We're going to drive shopping traffic to PDP page, mm-hmm. and we're going to put brand all over it, and they're going to love you, and you are going to be worth 10x what you are this month, just in six months. It'd be great. Right. Uh, it's just not going to happen that way. Well, look, I mean, I still think you can blend them, and that's the good news. I think there is a middle ground mm-hmm. between hitting those KPIs and providing excellent customer experience. And I think it, along with that, you can also keep your brand image intact. This is not... You know, it's difficult, but I think there is a middle ground here. First of all, I would consider CRO as a subset of your brand. So any conversion focus change that you're going to make to your site should also follow your brand guidelines. Pretty simple, right? This is something our team at The Good does every day. We're never reinventing the brand. We're working within the confines of a brand to optimize, right? Yeah, you're not going to suggest a button of color of your biggest competitor. Right. Or, hey, we're not going to come in and change your logo. We're not going to, you know, completely change the messaging around the product or the brand, right? We'll work within the confines there. We'll make suggestions, small improvements, but we're never going to come in and wholesale recommend changes of those sorts that are going to make you redo entire marketing campaigns, for instance. Now, there might be insights that come from that. And I think this is where there's room for both user optimization and maintaining strict brand measures, right? But keeping in mind that you have to maintain consistency across your entire site. And I think that is part of putting the user experience first. So if you just have a landing page that looks completely different from the rest of your site, people are going to go to your site and they're going to get confused when they cut off of that landing page. Mm -hmm. So I think the correct approach is to do the legwork of really gaining that deep understanding of both your brand identity and your user preferences. So blend them both together and respect both parties. And I think you're going to have the best outcomes that way. There's brands that don't have the patience and aren't willing to put in the work to get there. And those are the ones who are going to focus just on the brand and optimize around brand and say, hey, we need to make this better looking or we need to really sell the message, sell the label, right? As opposed to saying, hey, we're selling a brand that's going to get you the most caffeinated and out the door and ready for your day. Here are the benefits for you. Uh, It all goes back to jobs to be done, in my opinion. I, I agree. I think those are all phenomenal points. Have you have you seen yet a brand like that's putting this into action well that's been able to blend both of those? I can think of a couple off the top of my head. So the first is Beckett Simonon, which is a a high-end custom shoe manufacturer that uh, we've worked with. What we did there was highlight brand differentiators on product category pages. This is a great way to combine the two. So shoppers did not understand what differentiated the brand from other high-end shoe people, shoe manufacturers. And and what happened was shoppers would place a huge emphasis on the images because that's all they had to rely on. Right. So they would look and say, oh, that shoe looks great, but how do I know what I'm going to get? Right. So to tackle that problem, we tested language that really just focused on the company's ethical responsibility through key image-driven moments. And what I mean by that is we went on a category page where you would have 20 shoes showing, 20 styles of shoes. We would take each of those panels and we would weave the brand messaging into some of those panels. So you'd have four products and the fifth tile would be a brand message tile. And then you'd have four more products. The Mm. fifth tile would be a brand message tile. And what that allowed us to do is people were scrolling through the site. They would stop and they would see some brand messaging worked in. So was this brand first? No. Was this brand centric? Yes. We in, we integrated the brand into the category page 
as people were trying to get their tasks done, we were able to support that measure by saying, here's some other stuff you may care about that might influence your decision. But on the category page, it's not that we put up a huge header that made people, you know, with the messaging around good things the brand was doing. And then we made people scroll way down just to get to the products. No, we get them straight to the products, what they were there to do. We helped them filter very easily. And then within that flow, at that point, we would show some brand messaging. I love that example because mm -hmm. I'm a big advocate of category pages just because they capture higher, generally they can capture higher volume non-brand right. terms where I don't quite know what I want yet, but I know like, hey, I want a, a high heel pump. Great, this is all our high heel pumps. Or I want a, mm -hmm. you know, a casual running shoe. I mean, you can get a lot of options there. When I'm searching for a specific product, I go to a product page. Yeah. I'm just trying to get that exact product and get out of here. But categories are hugely valuable for this. I love that blend. Yeah, cool. there was another one, uh, Noel. If you're not sure who Noel is, they make office furniture, really modern office mm -hmm. furniture. Mid-century modern is what they're known for. Design within reach, all of that same company. So what we tested with Noel was warmer language around their products having longer lead times, right? And we did this to share more of the brand uniqueness. What I mean by that is everything on their site said lead time eight weeks. And we changed that to be a little more centric to the consumer. Made for you ships in eight weeks. See the difference? Instead of lead time eight weeks, it's mm -hmm. now it's made for you and it ships in eight weeks. And that led to a massive test win in terms of revenue for the brand. Massive. By having a brand-centric approach, we were able to say that there, you know, really there was some synergy there, right? The, we were priming purchasers that the shipment wouldn't happen for a while, which was needed, and also the customer's needs, understanding why the shipment won't happen for a while. And it also had the benefit of turning a challenge of long lead times into a compelling conversion booster, which was custom-made. So... It's really an easy way to think about this of, hey, how can you integrate the brand into what the consumer is trying to do, right? So the mm -hmm. consumer is trying to complete the purchase. They want to know how long it's going to take. Full-on CRO approach, not just focusing on user, would just say lead time, right? Bringing a little more of the brand, it's like, hey, you know what? This is custom made for you, right? Which everything, almost everything at Noel is. So that's really the idea there. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's, I think that's awesome. I think... Obviously, blends should be thinking about this through the whole CRO process, and they probably sh likely should have had this top of mind for years, but it takes yeah. you know somebody pushing something into the Twitter world and LinkedIn to try to get people to be like, oh, brand is important, but again, it's not the most important. Mm -hmm. It's a piece of it. Look, I, I've said this a hundred times, and I do think it's true, and I don't fault people for for taking things to an extreme. Because I, I do think if you, let's say you're sitting on a fence in between two yards, one neighbor is fully on the user side, one neighbor is fully on the brand side. If you don't get off that fence and take one side or the other, then you're not going to have either raving fans or you're not going to be pissing mm -hmm. people off. And neither, you really have to have both of those things happening in order to get attention, right? And so I understand why some people are really pushing this mm -hmm. right now because it gets a lot of attention. But I think it's probably hurting the industry more than it's helping. And what's happening is you're getting people to rally behind a term that is ultimately not going to be sustainable for them. And that's my concern. I think CRO is ultimately about what a user wants and needs. It doesn't mean your branding is not important. I still think companies can maintain solid brand values and keep that uniqueness, right? 
while optimizing for and really even creating a better experience. And I, I, I think that's very possible. We do it every day. I think, you know, at the good, we really want to merge the needs of a brand and the user to create that strategy. And I, I, I just think it, it really takes both sides to make it work. It's not easy. And that's why people default to one or the other. But I think if you can find a successful strategy between, between the two, you can really see your user experience and your conversion rates just soar. Fully agree after talking to you and understanding it better. So everybody <laughs> listening, you need to think about brand-centric CRO. Make sure the brand's in there, but it's not the most important thing. Thanks for the education, John. Of course. And I look forward to seeing people weave brand into their CRO rather than have it being the focus. I will now get off of my soapbox. Thanks for, uh, <laughs> for listening. <laughs> I'm going to go back Thank to drinking too. wine. How's that? Yeah, yeah. we still got some time left this year. Let's make sure it's finished well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Drive and Convert with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. Keep up to date with new episodes. You can subscribe at driveandconvert.com.